Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Welcome to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints, and I am your host, Donnell Edwards. We also welcome all of our listeners in the United States and around the world. Thank you for joining us for tonight's program, The Ugly Business of Sex Trafficking in America. Also, this is Black History Month, and we are very pleased to present our series, Black American Profiles, featuring the achievements of black people in America and around the world who have made outstanding contributions to society as well as highlights from events that have not only shaped black history, but American and world history. Listen later in the program for tonight's featured black history maker. As we mentioned, the theme of tonight's program is the ugly business of sex trafficking in America. Our special guest tonight is a sex trafficking survivor and advocate for victims of sex trafficking. She was coerced into prostitution when she was only 16 years old. Although life, or should I say existing, as an underage prostitute was beyond horrendous, she learned ways to survive. She is the co-founder of the Organization for Prostitution Survivors, which provides counseling, therapy, jobs, and emotional support, and advocates for sex workers and former sex workers in many ways. Please join me in welcoming to Donnell Edwards Viewpoints and the CWR Talk Network, Miss Noel Gomez. Welcome, Noel. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be on tonight, and um, I appreciate it. So, thank you. Okay. First of all, uh, why don't you tell us about your your, your uh, organization, the Organization for Prostitution Survivors? Okay, so the Organization for Prostitution Survivors, um, which is called OPS um, for short, uh, is here in Seattle, Washington, and um, this is where I, I'm from, Seattle, and um, I was working after I got out of the life, which was the this commercial sex trafficking, um, I went to school and I got some education and I learned some things and I realized that there was no services for adult women or for anybody that was coming out of that life um, in this state. And so I decided to start an organization that would advocate and help these women and girls and children um, to be able to do, you know, get jobs, to have support, to have uh, support groups, um, art therapy, all kinds of things. And um, so we're the only survivor-led and survivor-founded organization in Washington State at this time. So um, i I believe that survivors can help other survivors and mentor, and I believe that's the best way to help each other. So that's what we do. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, you are to be commended for the work that you're doing. Now, uh, some of what I'm about to say now may be uh, inaccurate based on uh, the conversation we had before the program began. Uh, So help us with the language if I, I say something wrong. But according to the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking, sex trafficking is modern-day slavery happening everywhere in the United States. The victims can be U.S. citizens or of any nationality, age, socioeconomic status, or gender. Sex trafficking is a highly profitable crime that exploits an adult through force, fraud, or coercion or that engages a child 
in any form of commercial sexual exploitation. So from those comments, I think some of that language uh, may be inappropriate. Is, is that correct? Uh, yes, yes. Um, well, all of that is, is, is true. And um, the for an adult, there has to be forced fraud or coercion for that to be trafficking. For a youth, for a minor under 18, there doesn't have to be any of that for it to be trafficking. So okay. those are some laws that have that have changed that are good. Um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, when we talk about sex work, I don't I don't like we don't like to use the term sex work because it's not work. It's actual yes. exploitation. So okay. so that's very important for us, um and for abolitionists and for people who believe that prostitution should not be happening. Um, we do not believe that it is actual work. We believe that it is actually a form of exploitation just like slavery is not work. Right. Okay. So we we stay away from we try to stay away from the language of like sex work. Um, okay. And kind of stick to sexual exploitation um, because you know ninety eight percent of people that are involved in that industry were sexually molested as youth. And it's 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 a it, people think that it's not that people make a decision to go into this, but there's a lot that happens before the force, fraud, and coercion that already makes this person vulnerable to this kind of thing happening to them. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think we're going to talk some more about about that and the circumstances and things that can lead to a person getting lured into uh, uh, that, that kind of situation later. Now, please uh, correct me. And uh, I'm going to count on you to do that because I'm going to try my best to remember the correct terminology. But if I say something inappropriate, uh, which is important to me to make sure that I show the proper respect, uh, please correct me. Now, Noel, here in the United States, most people may not be aware that human trafficking and sex trafficking is a major problem. When we hear those terms, uh, too often sometimes visions come to mind of uh, people being herded away on uh, a, a boat or in an airplane or something, a private plane, and taken to a foreign country. But there's actually homegrown human trafficking and sex trafficking occurring right here in the United States. So first of all, can you explain the difference, if there is, between human trafficking and sex trafficking, and then tell us how big the problem of both human trafficking and sex trafficking really are here in the United States. So there's there's human trafficking for the purpose of uh, to exploit somebody for labor. And then there's human trafficking for the purpose to exploit someone for sexual exploitation. So there's labor trafficking and there's sex trafficking. So there's commercial sex trafficking and then labor trafficking and people are trafficked for both reasons. Now, the majority of the time people that come from other countries, um, that, that is more of the labor trafficking that you'll see. Um, you will see sex trafficking as well, but it is a lot more labor trafficking. Um, the domestic sex trafficking that's happening is happening everywhere. It is happening everywhere. The numbers are astounding. Um, the average age of entry right now in the United States is 13 to 14 years old. Okay. So the, the average age of entry is very, very young. And what is happening is it's a lot of foster youth, there's a lot of youth that are that are just runaways, a lot of youth that just don't want to be home, don't want to follow the rules, get caught up with the wrong people. Um, what what happens is they meet somebody, you know, with within 72 hours of running away in Washington State, you are going to meet a trafficker. So, and, you know, that's 
that that is that is very scary because these traffickers are not they're very very uh good at what they do you know they they pretend to be these girls boyfriends they look for girls who are very vulnerable they look for boys who are very vulnerable they look for people who don't have homes or don't have good relationships with their parents and they prey upon these vulnerabilities you know and um they groom these children and now with the internet all they have to do is do the click of a mouse and you can sell a a child on backpage.com okay you know, uh, with the click of a mouse, you can you can buy a child on Backpage.com. It's been proven. Right. They've had many many lawsuits against against them. They just settled on one of them. One of my clients was involved in one of the lawsuits. They, um, you know, it's it's just it's not it's very hidden now. It used to all be on the streets, but okay. it, now it's all behind it's all behind keyboards. Okay, now two two questions I have. One, uh, the, the Backpage.com that you mentioned, I'm not familiar with that. So is that a website that anyone can go to, or is that somewhere on the dark web that only people who are searching for this kind of activity would, would be aware of? No, that is just regular Internet. Back, backpage.com is a, it's supposed to be to sell um, like like kind of like Craigslist, or something like that, yes. but they have they have an escort ad, and now um, I think Visa and Mastercard won't let you use their. They've stopped using letting people to use Backpage.com with their credit cards because of this issue. Wow! Because they're trying that. to protect children. Yeah, they're trying to protect children from being sold. And so it's um, it's a big problem. Yeah, and they've. Uh, there's an attorney named Eric Bauer here in Washington State who actually has taken them on, and they're, you know, very, very rich and hard to take on, but he's he won a settlement against them, and um, we're hoping to take it down, period, because it's, it's disgusting. That would be great. Now, one other thing I, I think I heard you say, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is that many of the people that are brought to the United States who are, are traffic in human trafficking for labor uh, come here for labor. Now, it, it, is that uh, on an individual basis for someone uh, hiring someone uh, or uh, buying someone and putting them into forced labor to work for them in their home? Or is it for uh, people who are getting people in human trafficking from other countries to come here to work in in their business or is it both well it's both and and they may lure them saying that you know they could easily go into sex trafficking too they could lure them and say you're going to be you know doing massages and Mm -hmm. you know the this person may really think that they're going to be coming to do regular massages and then it turns out to be a massage parlor. I think there's 90 something uh, illegal massage parlors in Washington state right now running. Um, You know, so I, and these women are all coming from other countries. So it is, it's still sex trafficking is still big coming from other countries, but the domestic part, which is what I work with, here in the United States is huge as well. It's okay. our, uh, you know, the children from the United States are being sex trafficked in the United States. Okay. Now I would like to share with you some facts about sex trafficking from the U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking website. Uh, it said uh, human trafficking is a $150 billion industry worldwide. Because of the hidden nature of the crime, it is essentially impossible to know with certainty how many people are sex trafficked in the United States. While statistics vary on the number of children in the U.S. who are trafficked, uh, we firmly, that's the website here uh, from the uh, U.S. Institute Against Human Trafficking, 
they firmly believe that uh, the numbers by far in excess of 100,000. It is projected that between 70% and 85% of trafficked children in the United States come from child social services or the foster care system. An estimated one in six runaway youth are likely sex trafficking victims. 90% of victims are arrested for selling sex, whereas fewer than 10% of buyers are arrested. Now, these statistics underscore the magnitude of this problem right here in the United States, and we're going to examine some of those now. Noel is the fact that so much money is being made from sex trafficking, uh, $150 billion worldwide. Is that one of the reasons that we're not making more progress in eliminating this problem? Yes. It is a huge um, profit for for uh, people, and um, people are making millions and millions of dollars off the backs of our children, and um, and also the problem is the demand. That's the problem. If there wasn't demand, there wouldn't be supply, need for supply, right? So the problem is is and we don't have a whole lot of women buyers or any that I have ever heard of. So this is really a men's issue that men need to look at what is going on with them that they need to fuel fuel this this um, industry. I mean, you know, like I said, without without demand, there would be no need for the supply, and. Um, you know, that, that, okay. Okay. that's something that needs to be looked at. And a lot of people don't want to look at that. They don't want to look at that. They want to blame the victim. Right. But the victim yeah. isn't making a choice. You know, the person that goes in the, on, the, on the Internet and orders a, a girl or a boy or whoever to come to their hotel room, that person's making a choice, an yes. illegal choice. And on the end, go ahead. Well, and, you know, and so here in Washington State, we have not arrested a person under 18 for prostitution in over two years because we do not believe that a person under 18 can make that kind of decision and be charged as as a prostitute. We don't believe that that's okay. right. Uh, there's no such thing as a child prostitute. It's child rape. Okay. And um, and so, you know, some other states have followed suit, but, you know, it's still taking a long time to change things, and these children are still being um, prosecuted in some places. Okay. And not given the services that they need. Okay. We're going to talk about that some more a little later on. One of the uh, the other statistics I saw that really stood out to me that was just uh, disturbing and almost to the point of uh, beyond beyond belief is that uh, the projection between 70 and 85 percent of the trafficked children in the United States come from child social services or the yeah. foster care system. Can you please explain how that happens? Yes, um, I have worked with this population for the last 12 years, and um, what happens is these youth go into the foster care system, um, and at about, you know, maybe eight or nine years old, maybe a little younger, and they know who their parents are, their parents are around somewhere, but they're usually you know, they have drug issues or something like that. They go from group home to group home. They go to foster home to foster home. All they really want is love and a family. And what they get is they start to realize that these foster homes are taking them for the paycheck because a lot of them are. 
and they aren't treated as family. They aren't given house keys. They can only be there when the family's there. They're not allowed to be, you know, all these rules and things around. So they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel like it's family. So, of course, they turn to somebody, a trafficker who appears to be somebody who's going to be family, who promises to be family, who promises to take care of them, who promises all of these things that they've never had. You know, of course that's appealing to a youth like that. You know, okay. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really sad. Okay. Uh, we, we did a program uh, several months ago on the broken foster care system. And this is just another one of the things that's a consequence of the inadequate way the foster care system is uh, not taking care of our children. That didn't come out in, in that program. I was not a, not aware of that at, oh. this at that time. Now, as the statistics yeah. mentioned, yeah. Now, as the uh, statistics mentioned uh, previously, because of the hidden nature of the crime as well as the fact that victims are intimidated and silenced by their traffickers and threatened to report them to law enforcement for prostitution makes it very difficult to collect accurate data and know just how many people are victims of sex trafficking. As we mentioned before, those numbers we're not really uh, sure about. Uh, this right. also results in many cases not being reported. Noel, can you share with us how being in this position affects a victim. As far as not being able to report or get help. Um, uh, the, the fear that, that if they report, they're going to be prosecuted. Yeah. Yes, because, right. uh, yeah. Well, you're taught by your trafficker to not trust the law enforcement, first of all. And, um, you know, many of these victims have, I mean, they have Stockholm Syndrome. They have, like, this is serious trauma bonding. You know, this is domestic violence, you know, plus an added component on it. So, you know, these people who have been through this are very traumatized. And they believe their trafficker, you know, and they're told not to talk to the police because they will be jailed and in trouble. So it causes major problems. They many times that's why they have a lot of like we have the special victims unit up here and they have female advocates who talk to the the girls and try to make them feel more comfortable they so they don't have to talk to the males they don't have to talk to the police you know um it's just it, it you know we've got to work with these these people more and have more advocates that are working with the police so that they don't feel so afraid to go, you know, straight to the police and the police need to be more um, active in this whole like issue around the country. I mean, they need to be more active in the issue as far as like understanding the issue and being trained on it. And, um, Understanding that these are victims that we're talking about, we're not talking about criminals. Okay, very good. You know. Right. Thank you for those comments. And if you just joined us, uh, we're talking to Miss Noel Gomez. Uh, this is Dono Edwards Viewpoints, and our topic tonight is the ugly business of sex trafficking in America. And uh, Miss Gomez is a sex trafficking survivor and an advocate for uh, those who are victims. Uh, we do encourage you to contact us. We would like to hear your comment. This is a very serious, very important subject we're discussing this evening. So if you have a question or a comment for Ms. Gomez, please call at 563-999-3600. Six zero. That number again is five six three nine 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 three six six zero. When you call, please remain on the line, and we'll get your call as soon as possible. That number again is five six three nine 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 three six six zero. Right now, we're going to take a break, 
And when we return, we'll discuss how victims are lured into the life of uh, commercial sex trafficking. And we encourage you to stay tuned and come back in just a few minutes. This is the CWR Network. Hashtag one million strong. drinks i'm taking it slow well you're not fooling the cop behind you what get ready to pay in point one miles getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around ten thousand dollars in fines legal fees and increased insurance rates nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving because buzz driving is drunk driving brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council This is the CWR Network. Hashtag one million strong. During the month of February, the CWR Talk Network is proud to present our special series, Black American Achievement Profiles honoring the achievements of black Americans from the past and the present. Sponsored by Bass, Edwards, and Associates Virtual Services Corporation, the leader in work-from-home opportunities. Bass Reeves was an imposing figure at 6 feet, 2 inches tall, and 180 pounds. He made even the most violent outlaws think twice before they resisted arrest. This, along with the fact that he was a skilled, ambidextrous gunslinger, could account for Reeves' extraordinary ability to round up and bring in multiple prisoners at once. On one occasion, he herded 19 horse thieves to the federal jail in Fort Smith, Arkansas, by himself. Born into slavery in 1838, his early years were spent as the property of the William S. Reeves family of Crawford County, Arkansas. In 1846, the family moved to Grayson County, Texas, where Reeves remained with them until the Civil War. During the war, he escaped to Indian Territory, present-day Oklahoma, where he found refuge among the Creek and Seminole tribes and learned their languages and ways of life. He often assisted deputy marshals with his knowledge of the land as they tracked criminals through Indian Territory. This led to a commission of his own as a deputy marshal in 1875. Reeves became one of the first African-American deputy marshals west of the Mississippi River. Reeves' tracking abilities and skills with a gun soon earned him notoriety with the outlaws throughout the region. He brought in outlaws by the dozens from all over Indian Territory. In 1890, he arrested Greenleaf, a Seminole outlaw who evaded capture for 18 years and murdered seven people. In 1902, he made his most difficult arrest, his own son, Benny, for the murder of his wife. Through a career spanning 32 years, there is no record of Reeves ever being wounded, a feat that earns him the nickname, the Invincible Marshal. Reeves served under seven different U.S. Marshals. He died of Bright's disease, a disease of the kidneys, in January 1910. Bass Reeves, Black American history maker, legendary U.S. Marshal. Listen for more Black American achievement profiles throughout the month on the CWR Talk Network. Black American Achievement Profiles is sponsored by Bass, Edwards, and Associates Virtual Services Corporation. The innovative solution to at-home work opportunities by reaching new pinnacles every day with ingenuity, integrity, and class. For more information, call 405-928-3254. This is the CWR Network. Hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. If you just joined us, this is Dino Edwards Viewpoints, and our very special guest 
is sex trafficking survivor and advocate for sex victims, Miss Noel Gomez. Before we resume our conversation, I just want to make the listeners aware of our Know Your History Black History Month contest, which was announced in this month's CWR Nation newsletter. If you have not subscribed to our newsletter, you may get a link to the newsletter and submit your entry at our website, C-W-R-T-A-L-K-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. That's C-W-R-TalkNetwork.com. Just go to the bottom of the homepage, click on the February newsletter link under the Know Your History Black History Month contest heading, and in the Black History Month section of the newsletter, just send the names of all nine of the Black History Makers shown. Your correct entry should could be picked, and you could win $100. So know your Black History and earn $100. Submit your entry today at cwrtalknetwork.com. Now back to our program. Noel, what tactics do sex traffickers use to lure people into the uh, life of uh, being in the sex trafficking industry? And are there certain circumstances that makes one person more appealing to a sex trafficker than another? Or is there just a certain profile that a sex trafficker is looking for? Yes, there are. And that's why there's so many youth you said something like 85% or something uh, were from the foster care system. Um, Yes, traffickers are looking for vulnerable people. They are looking for people who um, need help, who are um, either very quiet and lonely or in the foster care system or have run away or, like I said before, you know, don't have a good family home, Um, just people who are vulnerable. And what they do is they find out what your vulnerabilities are going on with you, and they pretend to be what they call them now is boyfriend pimps. they pretend to be like a boyfriend. They pretend to be, you know, caring and loving and, you know, and this is called the grooming period. This is where they're grooming you to become one of their, to, to become one of their, what they call basically hoes. Um, they, look for people who are just totally lost, you know, and they prey on them and they groom them. And while they're grooming them, they give them things that they cannot normally get. Like, for example, like if it's a girl that they're grooming and this girl wants to have clothes like the other girl nails done and wants to have her hair done, he'll do those things for her. He'll, pay for those things he'll you know that's part of the grooming process and they kind of become your everything and then it turns usually violent at some point and then once it turns violent then you can't really get away and it becomes very difficult to get away and then it becomes trafficking at some point And that's the way that the local, you know, the kind of the guys do it. And um, then there's, like, gang pimping. So there's gangs now who, this didn't used to happen, but gangs used to focus on guns and things like that. But, see, the thing with guns is you can only sell them once. With person, you can sell over and over again. So... Gangs have turned to people to sell instead of weapons and things like that as much. So when a person is controlled by a gang, they may have several traffickers. So there could be several people in control of them, um, and and so that's a different situation. So there's dif- there's different you know there's different situations for different people, and um, they can get trapped in this world um, 
and it happens very, very, very easily, much easier than people think. Much easier than people think. Okay. It's it's really, really, really easy to get in, and it's really hard to get out. Okay. Now, uh, can you share with us what kind of existence a person has who has been forced to uh, live in, in this world? Uh, what abuse a person might suffer and uh, how a person learns to survive in, in that environment? So, um, you know, there's different kinds of traffickers um, and there's different names for them. And then the, the, so one of them is a, what is it called is a gorilla pimp. Okay. And mm-hmm. a gorilla pimp is, is the, is the kind, the mean kind. And okay. they're the kind that, that, that beat you. Um, there's the boyfriend pimp, the Romeo pimp, the, you know, there's, there's different kinds of traffickers. Um, my situation was where I was with someone who was very violent, who was a gorilla pimp. So I was um, beat with coat hangers. I was beat with by him several times. I had to have CAT scans done on my brain because I was beat so bad. I would try to run away. He caught me one time and handcuffed me, threw me in the trunk of a car, drove me back to where he was, um, you know, it's you you basically are under somebody else's control 24 7 and if you do anything that they don't approve of you're going to get hit and that's just the way it is you're basically treated like an animal okay now so when a person who finds himself in that position is physically abused like you were, physically assaulted, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes raped, and their life is in danger. What happens in a situation like that if the person tries to defend themselves? You could get killed. Okay. Um. I mean, each situation, like I said, is different. With with my situation, I would have never tried to defend myself from him um, because it would have been so much worse if I would have. Um, these these traffickers put the fear of God in you. Okay. I mean, you 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 are afraid of these people. Okay. Now, uh, let, let's look at that from, from another standpoint. Say, okay. for example, uh, a person did try to defend themselves and maybe in the process felt their life was threatened and somehow in the struggle, the uh, person, the, the pimp or the trafficker was killed. From a legal standpoint, uh, mm. what trouble may that, that person get into? Unfortunately, and I say that uh, because there are examples of this happening in, in, across the United States uh, of uh, minors having to um, do this and adults having to do this, um, they could go to prison for life. Okay. okay. All right. You know, I, I want to share an experience that confirms what we just discussed here in a situation like that. And it's, just, and it's real uh, an injustice to me that so many people can claim uh, self-defense and, and these uh, stand-your-ground laws and, and kill people and get away with it. And here we have people who are genuinely in life-threatening situations and try to protect themselves and the law doesn't protect them. Now, many of our listeners may be familiar with the account of Centoya Brown, who was allegedly coerced into being a prostitute. For those who may not be familiar with Centoya, this is what has been reported. Brown was sentenced to life behind bars at the Tennessee prison for women for the 2004 murder of 43-year-old Johnny Allen. 
Brown and her legal team have maintained that she was forced into prostitution as a teen by her pimp, whom she claims physically abused her and forced her to do drugs. Brown was in Allen's hotel room after he picked her up from a nearby restaurant. When she says she believed he turned to reach under the bed for a handgun, fearing for her life, she fatally shot him in the back of the head before leaving with his car to find safety. Her attorney, uh, attorney recently filed an appeal to overturn her life sentence. Now, Noel, why is it that too often law enforcement and the judicial system disregard self-defense pleas by uh, people who have been victimized in sex trafficking and treat them as though they are offenders rather than victims? Stigma. Okay, stigma. Stigma, stigma. She's a she's she's a person of color. Um, she 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 was a she was a throwaway kid. Okay. I mean, she they they didn't they didn't give her a chance. You know, I mean, she was never given a chance from day one. And um, I I think there there's a ma- I know there's a major stigma on and believing that. Uh, that we are not really victims somehow, that we choose this somehow, and that, uh, you know, that, that that we choose this somehow and that, you know, we shouldn't have been there or we shouldn't have been, you know, or she shouldn't have been there or she shouldn't have been doing this. This is a victim, a child victim who was being pimped out by somebody who was fearing for her life and an adult male was trying, was buying her to rape her. Okay. Okay. And she's being blamed. Yes. Yes. For protecting herself. Right. It's it's my, the only things I can think of is stigma and that she, she's, uh, she's African-American. Okay. All right. Now, uh, I mean, this, this is just one incident. So this this happens frequently. So is stigma the reason for in the other instances because the the law enforcement and the judicial system uh, just don't view uh, you as victims, but instead that uh, if something happened, you had to be the one that was the perpetrator. Right, because I can tell you right now that I had been arrested several, several times, and they arrested me and let the John go. Okay. He's committing the same crime I'm committing, yet he is free to go, and I'm going to jail. Okay. How does that make sense? It does not. Right. So... It, it's been this way since, you know, it's the good old boys. It's the, you know, it's been this way for, since I've, you know, I got into it in the early nineties or late eighties, early nineties. So, and I was in it 15 years. So, um, I saw a lot of police activity and, um, they, they, they do not blame the, the buyers. They don't. Okay. Well, well, let me ask you, yeah, let me let me ask you this. Uh, seems like you've got some good things going on there in Seattle and maybe even Washington State with law enforcement and the judicial system, the way they view uh, helping and, and working with uh, with people who are victims in the sex trafficking industry. So, does your organization provide any counseling or instruction or education to law enforcement or the people in the judicial system, will they work with you? Have you approached them? Are they open to uh, learning more? Okay. Yes, definitely. In Seattle, in, so King County is um, the county that Seattle's in and we are doing what is called like the Nordic model, which is done in Sweden. 
Um, and that is where the women and or whoever the victim, whoever is being um, arre- arrested for prostitution, they, they they don't actually arrest them. What they do is they refer them to services. So they refer them to like our our organization or another organization where they can get services instead of going to jail. They arrest the buyers and they arrest the traffickers here. But okay. they, the victims are given services instead of jail because what they have found is that taking the victims to jail is not helping them. What what needs to happen is they need to get services to get help to get out of the situation that they're in. And that going to jail isn't going to help them get out of that situation. Okay. All right. Very good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Donnell Edwards' viewpoints, and our topic tonight is the ugly business of sex trafficking in America. And our special guest is sex trafficking survivor and advocate for victims, Miss Noelle Gomez. If you are a victim of sex trafficking or you know someone who is, or if you have a question for our guest, Miss Gomez, call us now with your viewpoint. Our number is 563 563- Nine 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 three six six zero. When you call, please remain on the line, and we'll get to your call as soon as possible. That number again is five six three nine 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 three six six zero. We'll return after these important messages and discuss just who the victims are. So stay tuned. This is the CWR Network. Hashtag one million strong. Hi, Mom. Is Claire's birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. This is the CWR Network. Hashtag one million strong. Welcome back. This is Donnell Edwards Viewpoints. And thanks for joining us for tonight's discussion, The Ugly Business of Sex Trafficking in America. We are honored to have as our guest tonight the very courageous Miss Noelle Gomez, who is a survivor of sex trafficking and is now actively involved as an advocate for victims. Noelle, let's talk now about specific groups that are part of the uh, sex trafficking industry. First of all, Tell us about the women that work in uh, the industry or the women that are in the industry, I should say. Uh, do most women get lured or forced into uh, this this industry through gangs or pimps? And what is the difference in being under the control of a gang as opposed to a pimp? I think we kind of touched on that already, but to give us a little more clarity on that. Right. Um, most most women that are in um that are in uh sexual exploitation um are lured into it as younger women so they are lured into it as younger women and then they may go off and be independent at some point in their life but they were lured into it to begin with. That's how it usually happens. Um, most people don't just decide, I'm just going to go do this one day, you know. Um, and 
to the gangs and the the, the traffickers, um, the the difference would be that with a with a gang pimp, you would have several traffickers. You would have to do. You, it would be. You would have different traffickers. You wouldn't have the same trafficker all the time. So you would have different traffickers, and you would be moved around a lot more. Um, and you would also have to to sleep with the gang members. Um, you wouldn't have to just sleep with one trafficker. You'd have to sleep with several traffickers. So, you know, um, there there would be a, a lot more to it. You know, it would depend on the gang. Now, I wasn't trafficked by a gang, so I don't know for sure, but I do know other people who have been. So I do know that that is some of the differences or some of the differences. Okay. Now, it's uh, very, very sad that anyone has to exist under those circumstances. Uh, but it's even more appalling when it involves children. Children trafficking right. victims are not limited to just sex, but it may also involve being trafficked for labor, as, we, uh, as you mentioned earlier, or, interestingly, for their organs or for other purposes. What can you tell us about the experience of children who are victims of sex trafficking? Well, um, you know, what their experience is like, is that, you know, yes. they, they're, they're very impressionable. You know, they're children. Our brains aren't even developed until we're 24 years old, right? So it's like you either cannot make a decision that is a sound decision at that age and they're very vulnerable and especially these foster youth and these these youth who are being abused at home and things like that and they're trying to escape you know they're looking for a way out and they think when they meet these Romeos these traffickers that they're going to have a new life and have a way away from the abuse that they may be already enduring now you know and what they end up with is just an even more horrible life than what they started with you know and it's it's very hard to get them out of 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 that lifestyle once they're in it you know uh because they can't go get a job. They they can't do anything else. And if they don't have parents who are taking care of them, what are they supposed to do? Right. You know, it's right. kind of, it's kind of it's it's very frustrating for an advocate um, to you know working with this population because, especially the foster youth, because it's like we're in a in a we're just in a bad situation all around. You know, and. Okay. Oftentimes, there's nowhere for the youth to even go if they do want to get out. You know, I've had youth be put into juvenile prison for up to a year just because they don't have anywhere to go. Not because they committed a crime, but because they don't have anywhere to go and the state doesn't feel that they're going to stay safe in any foster home because they keep running away, you know. So those are the kinds of things we're dealing with, you know. Okay. Uh, you know All right. Foster homes now, that aren't equipped. Okay. Now, uh, according to the organization Arc of Hope for Children, up to 300,000 Americans under age 18 are lured into the commercial sex trade every year. So, again, this, too, is a major issue. Uh, according to available data, the largest at-risk group among children are runaways, throwaways, homeless American children who use sex to acquire food, shelter, clothing, and other things needed to survive on the streets. Now, Noel, what can be done to greatly reduce the numbers of children who find themselves faced with what they feel is their only option for survival to sell their bodies. Yeah, so what we're doing here is um, we have 
a whole network of advocates and youth workers who work with youth specifically on this issue. Um, if any youth is at risk or if anybody feels that a youth needs an advocate that, you know, they may be at risk, we get them an advocate right away. What needs to be done is people need to be educated very young, <clears throat> very, very, very young. Education needs to be happening in the schools about this very young, like sixth, seventh grade about this because children need to be aware that this is happening and these predators are out there and they are looking for them. And okay. they're they're in and here we're doing the education and it just needs to be done all over, everywhere. Okay. Now uh in conclusion, what final thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? I would just like to say, you know, um, just get more educated. There's a really good education tool that's out right now. Uh, you go to www.thelifestory.org and watch that, and you will be amazed. It's an awesome tool, training tool, that I think everybody should watch, and it will teach you a lot that you need to know about. And then reach out in your community and see what you can do within your own community to help. Make people aware, okay. you know. Okay. Could you give the, uh, the 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 website again? Yes, it's www.thelifestory.org. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, how may our listeners contact you to learn more about your the uh, the group you co-founded, the Organization for Prostitution Survivors, and how they may how they may help with uh, with your work? Uh, they can contact me at noelgomez206 at gmail.com. Okay. And um, they can look up the the organization at www.seattleops.org. So it's okay. www.seattleops.org. Okay, very good. And also, uh, where can anyone call to get help who may be listening to this, a victim of sex trafficking or know someone who may be a victim of sex trafficking? Well, there's a national hotline. Um, and, of course, I don't have the number on me right at this moment. Um, okay. <laughs> there is the national sex trafficking hotline um, and that they can call and... Um, you can look, they probably don't have, is there a way we can look it up? Probably can, can, can Google it. Okay. Yeah. Whoever's listening may not have internet. Yeah. Okay. Now, Noah, we thank you so, uh, so much for providing us with this behind the scenes in-depth view of the sex trafficking industry on behalf of the CWR Talk Network. Thank you for appearing tonight on Daniel Edwards' Viewpoints. We would also You're like welcome. to... Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we would also like to thank each of you, our listeners in CWR Nation, for joining us for tonight's broadcast. I will return on this coming Monday. That's February the 12th with my special guest, Pamela Covington. And Ms. Covington overcame a life of deep poverty, living on welfare, to become a successful businesswoman. Join us as we discuss lessons for us all, overcoming extreme poverty and life on welfare. That's Monday, a Monday night, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Don Ed Viewpoints. Don't forget, we're also available now on iTunes and Stitcher, so if there's any programs that, that you missed, they're available on demand there or at our web website on uh, Blog Talk Radio. That's it for this evening. Thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on this coming Monday. This is the CWR Network, 
Hashtag one million strong. You bring your phone everywhere. Work, school, the movies. Now you can bring it to an Xfinity store for an easy way to switch to Xfinity Mobile, a new kind of network designed to save you money. You can get up to five lines of talk and text included with Xfinity Internet at no extra cost, so all you pay for is data. It's never been easier to switch to Xfinity Mobile and keep the phone you love. Click here to see how. Sorry, I gotta take this. Restrictions apply. Limited to select mobile phones. Requires activation of a new line of Xfinity Mobile. Up to five devices per account. New Xfinity Internet customers limited to up to two lines pending activation of Internet service. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. And treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com.